season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have Texas native, Texas 12, 2023 player, and 2023 Dallas Baptist signee, JJ Kennett, on the JKR podcast for the Texas 12 baseball series powered by Mind Baseball. JJ, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to talk to you about my, my baseball journey so far and, and what's been a part of it. Awesome, man. Glad to hear the excitement. Super, like I said, super pumped to get you on the show. But before we dig into your baseball career a little bit, I've got one question I like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast. And that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is JJ Kennett? So I would like to like describe myself as a leader and also a winner. I might not have every single tool that pops, but whenever I'm on the field, I win a lot. And I, I like to k- take control and, and lead my team and lead by example. Okay. I mean, you're winning a lot there with the Texas 12. You say you're a very competitive person, like to win. So let's go ahead. Let's dig into how you got connected with that Texas 12 2023 team um, with Coach Knox there, you know, winning a lot of games these past couple of years with you, Kendall George, Blake Mitchell, a bunch of different guys, Sam Myers, a bunch of different guys on that 2023 team. So let's go ahead. Let's dig into how you got connected with the 12. Kind of take us through just that journey and what your travel baseball career was like. Yeah, for sure. So I kind of got a got a hold of 12 at decently young age. I was around 12, 13 years old. And um, I was kind of trying to to elevate my game. I was young. I was undersized. And I thought that was the best place to be um, in the Houston area. And I don't think I could have made a better choice. So it's just it's just kind of like that was the most uh, – the biggest name program in the area, and, and that's why I chose them. Okay. So while interviewing, you know, I have interviewed Coach Bennett, Coach Knox, Coach Broninger all, all this week, and they talk about how the Texas 12 focus on – trying to keep the same coach with that same team, keep with that same grade level. So take us through that relationships that you, the relationship you've been able to build with coach Knox there, that 2023 coach and with coach Bennett in general. I know he's the founder. Um, I know he's, you know, coaching the 2025s, maybe not super close with the 2023s, uh, but what are your relationships with coach Knox Bennett and then uh, coach Hodge as well with him being, you know, the CEO of Texas 12. You know, so we'll start with Coach Hodge. Coach Hodge, Hodge kind of runs the show, you know. He puts everything together for us, which is which is great. We don't see a ton of them out there in Katy. I know the 2024 group does, but the 2023 group really didn't much. We had a lot of Zach Dillon, but, you know, he's gone now. Um, Knox is incredible. I can't say say enough about Knox. I mean, he's like he's like a brother, you know what I'm saying? He's uh, He, he knows when to yell at us. He knows when not to. And um, – He's just he's just been an, an incredible leader to us and a great role model in showing us how to play the game, how to win and how to lose. And I, I really can't thank him enough for that. 
he's he's been great. He's like the father figure of baseball for for a lot of that twenty three team since he's had us since a really young age, and and we've learned a lot from him. And uh, as for Coach Bennett, I haven't talked to Coach Bennett a ton, but but I know he's incredible. One of my buddies that that I play with in high school ball can't say say enough good things about him. His name's Jack McKernan, super talented lefty, and uh, he can't say enough good things about Greg Bennett and and how he has um the best conflict of interest for them. Yeah. So I know in today's day and age, you know, with college recruiting, travel baseball plays a huge role when it comes to getting you recruited, getting you to a college. So how has the Texas 12 played a role in that recruiting and played a role in you going to Dallas Baptist here in the fall? Yeah. So Texas 12 has an incredible relationship with uh, prep baseball report. And so my sophomore summer, um, I had a pretty decent summer. I showed really well in the Texas 12 scout day at the beginning of summer with prep baseball partnered with prep baseball report. And that led to me getting a futures games invite going to Atlanta, Georgia, one of the premier events of uncommitted baseball players in, in, uh, in that sophomore year summer. And I played really well there. You know, I was still kind of undersized. I was just, I was getting bigger, getting stronger and my game was starting to develop, but that event helped a ton getting in front of eyes. And as I developed more that that uh, next up and coming fall, Texas 12 did a great job, you know, connecting me with coaches and programs that they thought suited me and they thought I would enjoy. And that's where I found Dallas Baptist. They they watched me all the futures games and I performed well there. And then they followed me a little bit in the fall. And um, that fall, I went to a camp. And after the camp, that's kind of when I knew that was that was the spot for me. Okay, so with the Futures Game event, you know, being so huge, not only in your recruiting, but also, you know, players across the country and all their recruiting processes, take us through that Future Games event, you know, maybe how you found out you were getting invited, what that day-to-day looked like, the competition level, just take us through that whole Futures Game event down there um, at Lake Point. Yeah, so, you, you know, you know, travel, these all these organizations throw out these spam emails all the time, so that's what I thought it was at first. Me and my buddy Drew Markle actually, so um, we 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 thought it was some spam email, so we didn't really think much of it. And then Knox told us about it and was like, "Hey, y'all are uncommitted. This is a great event for y'all to go show your show your your skill and everything you can do." And then we also talked to Tyler King of Prep Baseball Report. He's pretty big down here, and he said, "I really think it's worth it for you guys." So we went straight from. It was the end of our sophomore summer, so straight from Florida, from that PG World Series tournament, straight to that that event at Lake Point. And it kind of all started with um, – it was measurable. So you'll hit BP on the field. You do a six-yard dash, throw from the behind the plate, throw from the infield, and then you played in the games. The measurables were a great thing, obviously. I mean, they get to see how you – your raw skills there. So there were a lot of people at BP and the throwing – and then you really got to showcase in the games. In the games, they did an incredible job. You played against the other states, and they did a really good job of of kind of showcasing every player's abilities. And if you if you played well, it was it was it was a great place to be. It was incredible. They did a great job running that event, and um, I couldn't give them enough credit. Yeah. So you mentioned how Texas 12 is super close with PBR Texas. So, you know, as PBR Texas, PB, you know, prep baseball report in general are coming out with those preseason rankings. How often were you, maybe some of your teammates and Drew Markle, some of those other guys, how often were you guys looking at those preseason midseason rankings when it came to, you know, the best in the st- state of Texas for the class of 2023? You know, a lot of the guys on our teams have always been around those rankings, you know, having Jacob Schultz, uh, at such such a young age, do some incredible things, and then obviously having Blake Mitchell is is uh is also great. But I've never been a huge rankings guy. I mean, I'll look at them every once in a while, but it's it's never been a big thing for me. I kind of just play my game and and keep my head down and and uh, see how it goes from there. Yeah. So you talked about at the beginning of your high school career, even when you were at Futures Games, you were kind of underdeveloped, a little small there. Take us through that development, how you came, you know, not just that underdeveloped ball player, but, you know, kind of where you're at today. Take us through that development um, in pretty much every stage of your game. So my dad has always pushed me, you know, to get in the weight room and, and stressed how important that is. And so my freshman year, pretty much, I started kind of hitting the weight room pretty hard. And, uh, but I was doing lifts that made me look bigger, but 
they didn't necessarily translate to the baseball diamond. And I think that's one of the most important things is finding someone who's able to show you lifts and different movements that'll help you not only look better, but also help you translate better to baseball. You know what I'm saying? So finding, finding my guy, I, I work out at Houston Pro Performance here in Texas with a guy named John Trejo. He has some, some big name guys that go there, Colton Kowser, Ty Madden, Connor Capel, some, some big name guys there. And he, he really helped me and, and a couple of my teammates elevate our game. And, and that just helped a ton. Mm-hmm. So with you being in that class of 2023, when you went to Lake Point for that Futures Games, were you unfortunately that year that coaches couldn't be live in attendance? No, luckily, towards the end of that summer, they were able to be there. You know, the mask mandate had kind of just gotten lifted. So that that place was crawling with coaches. It, it was pretty incredible. Okay, yeah, because I just talked to a 2023 last week from Indiana, and he must mm-hmm. he must have went the year before. Um, and he mm-hmm. said it was so weird because you know everyone talks about how many coaches are there at Lake Point for Futures Games. He shows mm-hmm. up and it's like you know you can hear crickets just because how how quiet it is. It's just it just seems like it's a practice going on. Uh, but for you going to Lake Point, going to the Futures Games, and just you know you're on the field and you just see all these different coaches obviously your catcher so you know maybe your backs turn to them but with you in the back of your mind knowing that there's so many collegiate coaches there watching you play while you're still uncommitted how do you kind of go about still focusing on your game kind of you know blocking that out keeping that same tunnel vision as you would for a regular baseball game how do you kind of go about blocking that out yeah so ever since a young age I mean it's either there have always been crowds every team I've played on has has usually had a little bit of publicity so teams so so coaches and and people have always been around them so that that helped a lot and then also even doing tryouts like trying out for for summer ball teams and and your high school team that all prepares you with your nerve and your mental your mental toughness for when when the stage gets really big so seeing all those coaches there it, it wasn't too bad you know you steady your breathing and you relax, you play your game because at the end of the day, you can't press about it because, you know, it's baseball. It's a game of failure. So I just kind of relaxed and played my own game and, and thought of it as a tryout, thought of it as a game, playing wiffle ball in the front yard with my buddies. Like, and that's, I think, what helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. So when you're playing for the Texas 12, you know, class of 2023 has you, Sam Myers, Blake Mitchell, Kendall George. I know I'm missing guys, but those are, you know, the guys that you come come to mind when, you know, when I'm talking to Coach Knox. That class of 2020, you, when you mentioned Jake Schultz, um, I know they got Jace Lavillette. La, how do you say it? Lavillette? Lavillette. La, Lavillette. La, La however, however you pronounce that, you know, with the, with those types of peers that you have who are guys like yourself going to division one baseball programs, how do you kind of pick the brains of some of these guys, you know, maybe see the way that they play ball compared to you with them being your peers. How do you kind of go about, you know, potentially maybe taking some things off of their game as well? Yeah. So two, two big 22, 22 guys that, that have actually been, been really good to me are, uh, one of them is named Justin Basso. So he played high school baseball with me over here at Ridgepoint. He was a Texas 12 alum as well. And um, he's out there at, at A&M this fall. He had an incredible fall and, and kind of picking his brain about how he competes. Because although he's not the most vocal person, he's one of the best competitors, one of the best competitors I've ever played with. So, so picking apart his brain and how he hits is, is incredible. And then also um, in the mental aspect of the game, is is he has a he has a really good one doesn't get flustered super composed and then ryan williams is catcher that that goes to mississippi state now and and he he's helped me elevate my game behind the plate a ton um just by doing like bouncing drills off each other and what we think you know sending each other videos of what we see online having them around has helped a ton because they've they've gone through what what i went through so, so before I went through it, I was able to pick their brains apart, ask them, hey, what do you do when you go to a certain event and this and that? And, and they were really good helping me, helping me in that aspect and, and staying prepared. Mm-hmm. So picking the brains of those peers, you know, having coaches like Coach Knox, Coach Hodge, um, some of the other co- got coaches in that Texas 12 coaching staff. What are some of those biggest lessons that you've learned, you know, maybe on the baseball field, but potentially even off the baseball field while you've been with the Texas 12? Yeah, so Coach Knox really emphasizes like how not to pay attention to the rankings because 
at the end of the day, nobody really cares what you did in high school. Um, and that's, that's something Knox really, really, uh, really like he, he frowns upon all the ranking stuff, not, not horribly, but he says it doesn't matter as much as a lot of kids think it does nowadays. And, uh, just, yeah, it's just like hard work pays off at the end of the day. And if, uh, if you bust your ass and, and you put in the work to, to do it, then a lot of times you're going to succeed. Mm-hmm. So looking, obviously your travel baseball career has come to an end, you know, this summer you'll tr- probably be focused on going to Dallas, you know, maybe doing some summer workouts, starting to get together with some of your, you know, incoming freshman teammates there at Dallas Baptist. Looking back into your travel baseball career, these past, you know, four or five years with the Texas 12, potentially, you know, maybe some things you did before the 12, what are some of those, you know, maybe two to three favorite memories that come to mind when you're thinking about travel baseball, whether that's, you know, on the baseball field doing something super cool, maybe messing around with some teammates off the field as well. What are some of those favorite memories that come to mind? Yeah, North Carolina is is incredible. Every single year we've gone twice. We went um my sophomore summer and then my junior summer and it's it's a great experience, you know. You play against the best uh, competition in the country and luckily my junior year we were able we were able to win gold there, which was just incredible. It was it was such a good experience with all the guys and then Especially since sophomore summer, we came up short. We really wanted that redemption, and and that was incredible. Also, um, my eighth grade year, actually, we went to Hoover for the WWBA. It was kind of like, it was like the biggest tournament a lot of us of had uh, had played in. You know, it was in, it was in the twelve started getting bigger, um, and they started expanding, and and we went there. And we performed well. We 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 drew a tough bracket. We played the Canes. We put up a great fight. But that was kind of the start to competitive base travel baseball in my eyes. Was that tournament where I saw, dang, these are the best kids at the country at this age. And seeing them now, it's 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 pretty cool. And then probably last was last summer. Also was great when we went to we went to to Jupiter. This fall we went to Jupiter and it was in, it was a great experience, you know, seeing all those golf carts everywhere and being able to to compete with your buddies as as your last little is your last summer ball tournament and and really giving it your all and and showing everyone what you have going out. Mm-hmm. So take us through that last game with those te- with Texas twelve. You know, obviously playing so long for them, I'm sure it was pretty emotional playing your last games potentially with everybody else in that 2023 class. What did that final tournament and final game as a Texas 12 player look like? Yeah, so this this fall we played in Jupiter and that was that was our last game and you know, it was sad but it was it was bittersweet, you know. We all had finished travel baseball and we were all <clears throat> going on to do our 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 new things, but it was just an incredible experience, you know. I wouldn't I wouldn't leave any of it for the world. It was incredible cuz you you uh, you build a family there. We were all together for a really long time, three to four years. And that was just kind of a bittersweet feeling, you know, out of all those teams in Jupiter, we finished in the top 16, which, which sucked, obviously wish we could have finished higher, but, but it was just a bittersweet experience. And and we all left everything we had out on that field. Mm -hmm. So you talk about the USA baseball experience going there to carry your sophomore year, not winning it, but having a cool experience. And then your junior year, Winning gold, take us through year one, what that was like, and then year two, like what your expectations were and how you guys kind of used that experience of already being there to win that gold medal. Yeah, so year one, I just don't think we were prepared enough. I think we had the team to do it. I just don't think we were prepared enough. You know, seeing all that competition there, uh, I think it kind of stunned us, especially after we won really big game one, and then we drew a, t- a really tough two two games after that. But I think our competitiveness just wasn't there. And um, I think that's what we learned. So there's actually a film that they made our sophomore summer about our experience there. And if you go back and watch it, it's like, it's like the same four of us. We talk about our experience and, and, um, and, and how it was there and how we came up short and, and what caused it. And the next year, I feel like everything just kind of flipped around. We, we had all our guys. I mean, Drew Markle was hurt the summer before, and he was he, he's one of our, our, our leaders on the team, super vocal, great teammate. He's always been there for us. So, so I think having him back that, that junior summer was incredible. And then I think we just came there with, 
with the grit and the competitiveness to win it all because we had something to prove, you know. 12 wasn't really huge on the national stage until we won that that event. We won that event in um in our age group in the 2024 age group and then the 25 age group, they I believe they took home the silver medal. So so we really put ourselves on the map from that from that tournament. Mm-hmm. So for you guys in 20 the, the your guys's junior year for 2023, I believe the silver medal the silver medal was won by the Indiana Bulls. So you guys beat the Indiana Bulls in that yes. championship in that championship game, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So that is my that is my home team. I'm from Indiana. <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if you know that. Um, you know, I know pretty much the majority of the guys on the the regular Bulls team. Maybe not mm-hmm. that Bulls national, but a lot of those regular Bulls. So I kind of yeah. want to hear from your side of you. You know, in that other dugout, what that championship game was like. You know, what that was like facing Max Clark. I know Boston Flannery was on that team as well. Um, all mm-hmm. Carter Murphy, all these different players on the Indiana Bulls team from the different perspective. You know. From the other side, what was that like facing the Indiana Bulls? Yeah, so actually, pregame, a bunch of kids were talking about it. You know, I didn't catch that game. I DH that game. So so that was pretty cool. I mean, everyone in the dugout before was like, oh, my God, we're playing these guys. And then eventually Knox was like, y'all just need to shut up and, and lock in and focus up. And we put a, we, we put it on them pretty early and, and showed them that, that we could hang with them and we could play with them. And we didn't really care who they were. And that helped a lot because, you know, at the end of the day, everyone has to pitch, hit, catch, and run. So it's whoever does it better at the end of the day. And then we we bested them that, that game. And I think our bats were really good. And we're super sound defensively. And our, and our pitcher threw, threw, a really, threw a really great game. And I think our game plan going into it, having that competitiveness really helped us. Mm-hmm. So being a primary, you talk about how you DH that championship game. So with you being a primary catcher, and when you guys are going to these travel tournaments where you guys are, you know, potentially playing multiple games a day, especially, you know, multiple games back to back to back on back to back days, what does that rest rest schedule look like when it comes to, you know, do I catch this game, DH the next? What does that look like on the Texas 12? Yeah, so usually we have two to three catchers, and usually we'll flip off, I mean, every single game, like in pool play. We'll we'll switch between the three, and then uh and then when we get to um to bracket play, it's usually it's usually still two to three depending on the pitching, but usually it's a game break. You get a game break in between your catching, unless you're unless you have a super big break in between and and you're rolling hot. But usually we'll just switch off every game. Um, just I mean it's learning experience. That's what travel ball is for. You learn you. You play against the best competition in the country. You kind of have your your family aspect, and so we usually switched off uh, every single game, like one to one. And then with the Texas Twelve, are you guys personally, as the catchers behind the plate, are you guys calling games, or is Coach Knox or maybe the pitching coach on that twelve team? Are they the ones calling pitches? No, they they love calling. They love us calling the shots. They like us to learn because um, high school ball, a lot of the coaches call it. At Ridgepoint, they call it for us. So when we get to when we get to summer ball, they like us to understand the game and develop that baseball IQ and know what pitches to call in each at bat to help to help us become successful. Depending on the hitter. Okay. So how have you developed that baseball IQ over the years? You know, from that first game that you were actually calling, they throw you behind the dish. They're like, "All right, we're not giving you the calls anymore. You go ahead, figure this out." How have you developed that baseball IQ over time to where it's at now? Yeah, so I mean, it it you can you can tell a lot from a hitter from the way he takes a pitch, from the way he steps in the box. So so just kind of picking apart each each hitter that comes up and remembering what they do and what their actions are helps a ton in developing pitch calling and and game plan when it comes to that. Okay. So what is your approach when you're calling games in terms of, is there scouting reports being done? I know when you're going to travel ball tournaments, you're not really knowing who you're facing that weekend. And with that, I mean, you're facing four five, six different teams as well. So I'm sure it's really tough to scout an opposing team. So what is that approach there? What does that scouting report kind of look like before the ABs start for the game? Yeah. So our coaches do an incredible job. They actually, if, if they have a chance, they'll go watch the team prior and if they're able to do that, then we develop a scouting report for each hitter and what their actions are, where they like to hit the ball, and what they do. But if not, you kind of just base it as the game goes along. Um, you can tell if a lot of kids swing early in the count. 
that's when you're going to start with them with off speed. Maybe something not near, not as close to the strike zone. You're not going to be super fastball happy. So, so it's just kind of figuring out as the game goes along when you don't have a scar, scouting report. You know what I'm saying? Um, you you have to pick apart each hitter, and by doing that, it's like if if you see they're they're hard on their front side, hard load, then you know you can usually bust them up inside or go soft away. So it's just kind of seeing the actions each hitter has and uh, seeing it from that. Mm-hmm. So being a part of that battery, obviously the pitcher catcher has to have a great relationship. How do you go about, you know, building that relationship with pitchers? I'm sure there's tons of pitchers that, you know, you're catching consistently, but let's say you go to futures games and you're catching a new pitcher or, you know, when you head to Dallas Baptist here this fall and you're going to start catching new pitchers, how do you kind of go about that relationship building process and building that trust amongst different pitchers? Yeah, I just really, I really like to make my pitcher feel comfortable with me. And and I, I really like tempo. So developing a tempo and in a relationship with them that makes them comfortable to where they can get rolling and we're on the same page to where if I call anything, they're ready to throw it and they're ready to throw it in that spot. And if they're not feeling it, then they have no problem shaking me off and, and bouncing their thoughts off of me. So I think that's the biggest part is is figuring out my pitcher's strength and weak strengths and weaknesses to make him the most comfortable and uh have the most tempo he can on the mound in game and in practice. Mm-hmm. So have you ever had a pitcher, you know, consistently shake you off while you're behind the plate? Like, let's say, you know, call fastball, no. Curveball, no. Number three pitch, no. And this consistently happens. Have you had that happen to you before? Uh, it's happened a couple times. But, you know, it's 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 all kind of feel. You know what I'm saying? Pitchers' minds work a little differently than everyone else's. So, so, so sometimes that happens. But it's just about – shaking that off, you know, calling time, giving them a second to step off the mound and, and recuperate. And then we'll go back through it and, and then, and then find something that's comfortable with them that I'm, that I'm cool with. Mm-hmm. So with the Texas 12, got one last question about them. Then we'll kind of move into high school baseball. So with all these different guys that you've played with these past couple of years on the Texas 12, who are some of the guys that you've built the biggest bonds, biggest relationships with? Yeah, so so probably my my top three guys are are Drew Markle, Sam Myers, and then Blake Mitchell. Blake Mitchell is a little later because came later, but but me and him have, are 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 really close. You know, being the catchers, we've we've developed a relationship that that's not only on the field but off the field as well. Keeping in touch a lot, no matter you know he lives in Stinton, but still over the phone and stuff. And then um, he's a great guy. You know, incredible leader, incredible player. And then Drew Markle and Sam Myers are kind of my more local guys. I'll go hit with them on the weekends, you know. I work out with Drew Markle. And then uh, they've kind of just been my rock when I'm there. I'm comfortable with them, you know. We laugh. And then they kind of – they hold me accountable, and that's the best thing. They hold me accountable, and they, they know what I'm capable of. So so that's kind of – those are the three biggest bonds I've created there. And then also Coach Knox, you know. Coach Knox has been incredible. He's like a brother, and he's like a father figure as well. So – They've they've helped me be comfortable and develop as as a baseball player and a, and a person. Yeah. So out of all those travel baseball facilities that you've been at, obviously you've been to Cary, but then the Lake Point, East Cobb, Hoover. You mentioned Jupiter there as well. I'm sure there's really nice ballparks down there in Texas as well. But what is your favorite travel baseball facility that you've been at so far, or I guess been been at in your career? Um. Hmm. I really, I really enjoyed Jupiter this fall. I felt super, super comfortable there. You know, I saw the ball really well there. Only bad thing about Florida, air kind of get the air kind of gets heavy there. But, but I was super comfortable there. I've always, I've always liked Florida, and um, I don't know. It was, it's just probably the nicest. They, they kept it up really, really well. So I enjoyed it. Yeah. So moving a little bit into your high school baseball career a little bit, going into your senior year right now, take us through these past three seasons playing down there in Texas, one of the best high school baseball states here in the United States. What have these past three seasons been like for you? Yeah, so my freshman year was cut short due to COVID. So that was a good little learning year, you know. Got to know my coach, and I and I kind of got to figure out what he liked and what he didn't. Uh, we have our we have a we have a pretty old school coach, so super super by the book, which is great. And he's taught me some little things in baseball that I've never even thought about. You know, in high school ball, you uh you you kind of develop develop a a niche for like for like the little things. You realize how important the little things are and and how they can propel you to win. So my my freshman year, that's kind of what it was. 
And then my sophomore year, um, it was also another learning and developing year, just kind of helping me prepare for, for summer ball that year. And, um, it, I really, I really learned that year how important having a good relationship and bond with your team was. Our team bond wasn't too great, and, and that reflected itself on the field. And we went from uh, last, from sophomore year. Sophomore year, we were first round exits. We blew a seven one lead in the first round. And um, last year, we improved. We we went thirty seven and five last year. States, we made it to state, and um, it was just kind of the bond, you know. Us, our class, and then the the class above us, was the twenty two and twenty three class, just bonded incredibly. We unfortunately lost to South Lake Carroll there to to a really really great team, but um, it's just yeah, in high school ball, it's like it's uh it's developing de- developing a bond that you really can't. It's like playing for each other. You can't play for yourself in high school baseball because in the end, it just doesn't work. You know, we beat a stacked Tompkins Falcons team last year a really good Pearland Oiler team last year. And uh, so, so it was really developing, like playing for each other that, that helped us propel ourselves and keep us going. Cause those, those practices are long and the seasons are really long. So when you're doing it for your brothers, it, it helps a ton. Mm-hmm. So going from a junior last year to now a senior this year, how have you kind of stepped into a leadership role on that high school team? Were you kind of already a leader last year being a division one commit as a junior or how has that looked, you know, maybe that transition process from maybe a somewhat an underclassman as a junior to now potentially being that senior leader in that locker room? Yeah. So I was, I was a really big leader last year. It was me and in our shortstop, Justin Bossos. We, we led that squad last year. We were, they were the, so we, we led that squad last year and kind of, we kind of kept everyone in check and, and held everyone accountable and the whole held the team accountable for, for what, what we could be. And that, that was the best part is nobody expected it from us last year. And uh, we were the underdogs of a lot of series we played in and, and us holding each other accountable and the team accountable really helped us last year. And then this year, I expect nothing different. You know, although we lost Justin Vosses, we're still returning eight more starters. You know, everyone on the field is returning except for our shortstop. So, so that's going to help a ton. And and so everyone knows what it takes to get there. So I feel like it's going to be great that everyone's leading this year because everyone knows what it takes to get there. And and that's the biggest component, in my opinion. So coming off a season where you guys go, what, you said 37-5, and five, have eight returners coming in um, from that lineup. What are some of – you mentioned it kind of there for a second, but what are some of those goals and some of those expe- expectations you guys have as a team and then for you personally going into your senior spring? Yeah, so so obviously we want to make it back back to Round Rock, playing at in the six A Division One, the best, the biggest division in Texas. You know, you play the all the powerhouses here. So, so kind of keeping the same mindset as last year. It's get in and get hot. That's what our coach calls it. So you get in the playoffs and you got to get hot. You got to keep rolling. You know, in in all all of the playoff series we played last year, we only took two series to Game Three, which helped a lot for our pitching staff and then for our team as well. Cause playing those three game series is very taxing. So keeping those series down to two games helped a ton. And then um, some personal goals this year. I mean, I, I I'm, I'm a big team guy. So, so I want to, I want to win as much as I can and I want to do everything I can to help the team win. So, so whatever that is that I can do, I'm going to do it. Okay. So playing Texas high school baseball, compared to playing travel baseball. Take us through what's tougher when you're playing travel baseball, especially when you know you're a freshman, sophomore, junior. What's tougher when you're playing high school baseball down there in Texas against, you know, maybe guys who are older than you these past couple of years, or when you're playing travel baseball against the top-tier talent of your age group? So as you get deeper into the playoffs, I think high school baseball might be a little harder because – you have teams who you could potentially play showing up to your round one, two, three, four, and five games, you know, scouting you out the whole time. So, so they kind of try to pick you apart in a way, but um, I think that's, that's kind of harder. Deeper into the high school playoffs is hard, but, but compared to districts, travel ball, hundred percent, just because of the, uh, just because of the guys you play, you know, being with the Texas 12, always playing really good competition and, and a lot of, a lot of teams rolling out their best arms against us. So that that's been the biggest thing is is um is is being at being on the twelve being such a 
such a sought after name is is um it is tough because everyone rolls their guys around you but it also helps as a player it helps you develop and helps you see see th- see pitchers and and velocities and different pitches that you're not going to see in high school baseball so everyone talks about Florida, Texas, and California high school baseball. From your point of view, playing Texas high school baseball these past three seasons, heading into your senior year, take us through what that competition level is like, maybe some of the Power 5 Division One players that you're playing on a weekly basis, maybe some of what that pitching looks like. Take us through what that competition level looks like from your eyes these past three seasons. Yeah, so our scrimmages are all going to be matched up with teams that have uh, division one guys. So that's, that's a great way to, to start our season off seeing those arms and, and competing against those players that, that really bring it. And then, um, when we get into tournament baseball, you know, you play 16 games, uh, for each tournament and, uh, you, you really play the cream of the crop right there in, in the Houston, Texas area. You play against those teams that, that have a lot of those guys and, and, being a team that made it to state last year, we're going to see a lot of those arms. So, so that's incredible. That's, I don't think you can compare to that. And then uh district play here in Fort Bend isn't, isn't too great, you know, but it's, it's, it's good developing with the team. You work on a lot of team stuff during district play, you know, trying to make the playoffs obviously. And then once you get into the playoffs, it, it, it's the same thing as tournament ball. You know, everyone's rolling out their ones and twos for the series. And, uh, and and that's I don't I just don't think you can beat it. Once you get every round, you're gonna see usually a guy that's ninety plus and uh, that can pitch. So so you're gonna you're gonna see teams that that bring it and and have chemistry just like you do. It's just whoever does it better that usually comes out on top. So that kind of creates competitive nature here in Texas high school baseball that that I really think you can't compare to anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So what are some of those games this spring that you might have circled on the calendar in terms of, you know, I, I can't wait to face this guy. can't wait to, you know, maybe call the at bat against this guy. What are some of those games? Who are some of those other, you know, top tier players in your conference or just in your spring, uh, in your spring schedule? Yeah. So we start off our first scrimmage of the year against Pearland Pearland. Uh, we beat them in round four last year in, in three games. They were an incredible team. You know, they're run a lot similar to Ridge Point. They have a ton of talent there. And uh, I think playing them because, you know, we thought we should be so c- coming up on rankings again. You know, they were one this year. They were they were one for, for Texas high school baseball because due to, a, to some recent commitments. But they have the same guys. So, so, so I think kind of just proving that, that we deserve to be higher up there along with them is uh is is something I'm really excited for. So I want to bring it bring it to them in the scrimmages. You know, we play them in tournament in the in the, the tournament play also. So so showing everyone that 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 we're there with them is gonna be a lot of fun. And then we open up the season against Tompkins, team that was a powerhouse last year, nationally ranked. Uh we open up against them, super talented squad that that I believe is is coming in underrated this year and looking for revenge, even though they lost a couple of those guys like Jace Laviolette and Jack, Jack Little. I know Drew Markle is going to going to come back and he's going to give it his all a kid with with super competitiveness and and really plays the game well. So I'm super excited for those two games. Okay. All right. So with you being a Texas kid, obviously you're staying within the state of Texas for collegiate baseball, going to Dallas Baptist. Let's kind of dig into your recruiting process a little bit. You know, you talked about how the futures game played a huge role within your recruiting process, but take us through, you know, maybe how that recruiting process got started and when you started getting noticed by some of the division one teams. Yeah. So at the start of my sophomore summer was kind of when it started and it was, um, it started all with like Wichita State. Wichita State was great, it, incredible facilities, good school. But then towards the end of the summer is when it started really picking up after the Futures games, and that's when I I kind of had to to figure out and make my decision of where I wanted to go. And uh, once you have once you have those those big schools that you know crack the top twenty five every year, you know games away from Omaha going to Omaha it's 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 a tough decision at that point and you kind of have to go to the place that feels like home that that really matches your playing style and and not only you as a player but you as a person as well and I think that's where Dallas Baptist really really uh stuck with me okay so going through talking to Wichita State talking to Dallas Baptist talking to some other schools 
What were some of those initial conversations like? Were they all very similar when it came to, you know, talking to the head coach or talking to the recruiting coordinator, head coach, hitting coach, whatever, for the first time? Were they all very similar or were there some schools that, you know, maybe went about it a completely different way and kind of stood out that way? Yeah, so there were a couple different conversations I had that that were different than other, others. You know, Dallas Baptist kind of kind of starting off with 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 just simple conversation, getting to know me as a player and, and kind of as a person. And then also uh, when I spoke to East Carolina and uh, David Macias, who's now the the first base coach for the San Diego Padres after he left them, um, he, he was more of like a, a getting to know me not really as much as a player it was it was getting to know me and um and and what I what I was about and then at the end it was kind of about players but I I really enjoyed how how Dallas Baptist came at it as they wanted to know me they know, wanted to know what kind of person I was but they also wanted to dig deeper in what kind of player player I was and and I thought that was super cool okay so as you're going through this process deciding between Dallas Baptist Wichita State some of those other schools what were some of those key things that you were looking for when you were kind of, you know, evaluating, kind of comparing school to school? What were some of those key things you were looking at? Um, I was looking at coaching staff. I was looking at track record and and I was just just feeling, you know, um, I, I really liked, I really liked um, Dallas Baptist. I just I just loved how it felt like home. It, it made me feel feel really good. And um, and the coaching staff was great there. I felt like I gelled with them really well. And then even going to the camp at the camp, they, they taught their hitting approach and, 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 and everything they kind of teach is that going, that comes along with being a Patriot and, and everything they said just gelled with me really well. And I, and that was my place when I realized that. So when was it that, you know, you kind of realized, all right, Dallas Baptist is the place for me. Do you kind of remember that day? Maybe that final thought where you're deciding between Dallas Baptist another school do you remember when dallas baptist you know just 100 percent completely went over kind of you know just took you uh took you um and uh how do i how do i word this um just kind of you know what was that final thing that put dallas baptist over the top yeah so probably a couple days after they offered me was was probably the 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 time i knew that was my place but i wasn't a hundred percent i was pretty much a hundred percent sure but i wanted to make sure so I took a, a visit up to Kansas and to Wichita. And as soon as I got back, I knew that was that that Dallas Baptist was the place for me. Okay. So with you going to Dallas Baptist, you know, staying in state, I'm sure Dallas is what, two, three hours away from where you're at? Yeah, so so I'm I'm like four hours away. I'm 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 close to Houston. So so like I'm thirty minutes near Houston. So I'm like four hours from Dallas, four and a half hours from Dallas. Okay, so staying in state, do you have any pre-existing relationships with some other guys who either signed a DBU right now, maybe they're already, or you know, guys committed in that twenty-four, twenty-five class? Yeah, so our DBU class is super close knit. All of us are Texas guys except for two or three of them, and uh, since Texas, our Texas twelve team was just so deep and so talented. I have two teammates from from. Um, our Texas 12 team that are also going to DBU with me. So just having those guys and then staying in contact with the guys that are going there and, and some of the players that we met on our official visits, it, it just really made me feel at home and made me feel comfortable going there. Okay. So looking back here, you know, a couple of months ago, you were committed to DBU for, for there for a while. Take us through when you officially signed those papers, maybe the relief that hits you. What was that feeling like when you were, you know, officially signing those DBU uh, papers here? Um, I'm assuming it was around National Signing Day, November 10th, 11th, whatever. Um, yes. Take us through what that experience and what that what those emotions were like. You know, it was incredible. It was it was super exciting for my parents and I to, to sign those papers and lock it in. But but it also gave me uh, a sense of like that I had to work harder and show that I deserve to be there because a lot after signing, a lot of kids just kind of take their senior season as is, and it's our last season. We're going to have fun. But I, I thought it was just time to put in the work and, and show and prove to everyone that I should be going there and, and why I deserve to, to be there. Okay. So we dug into relationships with some of your other guys. You know, you talk about that 2023 class being super close in it. What was your relationship you had with the DBU coaching staff? What was that like, you know, when you committed and how has that evolved over time now that you're signed heading there in the fall? What is that relationship like? 
Yeah, so Cliff Pennington has has probably been the the biggest the biggest factor of me going to DBU. He's the re, the recruiting coordinator there. He played uh he played in the big leagues and and he's just a great guy. He he was kind of like what I he he's he's his personality and how he goes about the game is is what a lot of people aspire to be like. And him just showing so much interest and us getting along so well. It's like talking to a friend, you know, but talking, but, it, but it's, it's talking to a mentor and someone that that's really going to help me develop someone that, that showed me that they're going to help me develop and, and get the best out of me was, was the biggest thing for me. And he did an incredible job with that. Okay. So you realize that the 2023 class is super close. You guys went on that official visit together. You said, um, I know when you were sending me pictures for the social media, you sent me a picture in that DBU gear. Take us through what that official visit was like. Maybe some of those really cool things that you're looking forward to experiencing while on campus. Take us through that official visit and what that was like, you know, actually putting on that DBU uniform. Yeah, so the official visit was just kind of like what it's going to be like to be a Patriot. We went the during the fall, so we, we got to witness a fall scrimmage. They played Abilene Christian, and it was super cool. We walked in there when they did, and we got to see what they did pregame and, and how they prepared for, for a game at DBU and, and what they did and how they went about their business, and I thought that was super cool. And then getting to put on the uniform, it's like you get you get goosebumps because that's that's gonna be you next year and 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 that was kind of the biggest part. It was like it was it was opening your eyes and you're like, dang, this is this is real. This is what's gonna what it's gonna be next year and and that was the coolest part about it is being with the guys and and realizing that that we're gonna be in those shoes next year. Of course. So taking it through to when you're t- transition a little bit to when you're actually on that baseball field. Let's go ahead talk about hitting here for a little bit. So kind of envision yourself. In the bat, uh, in the on deck circle, walking up to the batter's box after watching the batter in front of you, watching the pitcher on the mound, watching him warm up. Um, what is your approach as you're heading up to the plate? Um, to kind of take us through what you're trying to do with each at bat, what's going through your mind? Uh, just take us through that. Yeah, so so I like to I like to I'm I'm super aggressive, but I also like to be aggressive, but but under control. So so going up to the plate, I I like to see his sequences, what he likes to go to first pitch. I, I love the first pitch fastball. So, so I'm usually, I get in the box. Um, I'll, I'll look at each foul pole. I'll go from the left field foul pole to the right, kind of just envisioning, like I have the whole field to work with and, and it's fine where I hit it. So I hit it where it's placed. And that kind of helps me dilate my eyes and helps me relax. And then when I get in the box, um, feeling the weight on the heels of my feet, loading into that, to, to that back heel back into my hip and staying super loose and calm and and really working downhill with an, with a with a high finish it helps helps me the most so so when I when I get up there I, I like to attack early and uh, if I do get behind in the count I go to a nose stride and doing the nose stride just helps me helps with my barrel consistency it, it'll it'll knock down my power a little bit but it, it helps me with the barrel consistency a ton. And it uh it helps me have the ability to put the ball wherever I want on a line in the air on the ground, and that's really my approach is is if it's in the zone, usually early in the count, and it's in a good sweet spot for me to hit, I'll swing at it really no matter the pitch depending on the situation. But deeper in the counts, um, I'm trying to protect up there. That's why I go no stride, and so the no stride just just really helps me protect and barrel the baseball up. It gives me the best chance to to get on base and help my team win. Mm-hmm. I think that no strides are becoming more and more popular within the game of baseball when it comes to whether or not you're behind in the count or it's an 0-2 count, whatever happens to be. I, I think that's going to become more and more popular. But when did that develop in your game? When did you kind of go from maybe someone who, you know, didn't really worry about what the count was, always kind of having that same swing to where you kind of, you know, maybe put an emphasis on having a two-strike approach? It was really this this fall that that I, I really emphasized having the two-strike approach as I was working on it and BP off the, off the machine and, and really facing velocity because that nose stride helps you recognize pitches a, a lot earlier. You know, a lot, a big thing for me also is, is you start real. I start really early and slow. You start early and slow and then you explode on the pitch. And that, that really helps you with the nose stride and starting early just really helps you pick up the pitch and, and fight off those tough pitchers pitches. And then when they make a mistake, you make them pay shooting a line drive back up the middle of the field and, and doing that nose stride really helped me pick up pitches 
quicker and uh, kind of knock down my swing, keep my head as steady as possible, keep uh, making my chances of bearing the baseball a lot higher. Mm -hmm. So looking into your catching, I know we talked about that a while back when it comes to, you know, calling games, what that relationship's like with your pitchers, but take us through your personal scouting report. So this can be, if you're a scout watching your game, watching you hit, watching you catch behind the dish, watching you build relationships with your pitchers, maybe some of the other position players as well. What would be that personal scouting report that you would write on yourself? Uh, I would say that I would be a high motor backstop that that's a leader on the field. And then uh, with a with a pretty good arm that that controls the the run game well, um, I would say I'm a winner. You know, I like to describe myself as that a lot, and I and I say others would too. Um, and then at the plate, I would say I swing the bat with 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 good intent, but I'm under control, and I'm able to adjust depending on the count and the situation. And and that I have good hands with with good intent that can really power the baseball. Okay, so with that personal scouting report, you're kind of digging into the positives there. If you can kind of flip that mindset, kind of focus on maybe, I'm not going to say weaknesses or struggles, but what you want to develop or get better at most before you're heading to DBU this fall, what are a couple of those things in your game that you're wanting to develop most these next couple, you know, seven, eight months? Uh, I would say physicality could could definitely be be brought up. And then um, probably, uh, maybe speed. Speed could also always come up. You know, being a catcher, People don't knock on it as much, but but I think it's important to to not only although you you don't have to be fast to be a catcher, you still have those quick twitch muscles, obviously. But but running the bases still, you know, when you get to college, you don't get that pinch runner. So I think speed would definitely help, and then physicality to help turn those those uh, doubles that that bounce in the gaps to to going over the wall. You know, the those two things would would help me a lot more. Okay. So digging into my last baseball question here, then after that, I got a couple, you know, personal questions on the personal side of things here to wrap off the J-Care podcast. But look at my last baseball question. So obviously playing for Coach Knox, Coach Bennett, Coach Hodge for the Texas 12, playing Texas high school baseball. You've had that experience to have, you know, a ton of great coaches, ton of people who have been very influential within your baseball career. But if you could pick two to three people who have been the most influential within your baseball career, who would those people be and what would be the reasonings for them being so influential? Yeah. First I would say coach Knox, you know, he's, he's been there for me for the longest time and, and he's kind of helped me develop as a player, a player a lot. And he he's been, he's been incredible. So him being like my mentor has really helped. And then also John Trejo, my, my uh, weightlifting guy, He's, he's helped me a ton as well, developing off the field in the weight room and, and getting me in shape and ready to go on the field. And I think that's been a huge, huge upside of my of my game and, and why I think I'm still being able to to develop as a player is the weight room aspect of it with, with John Trail. He does an incredible job. And then also Sid Holland is 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 one of the guys that I hit with. You know, he has a He's a pretty decorated background with guys. He had, he had Jay Bruce, Carl Crawford, you know, Michael Brown, Chris Young, first rounder, Colton Kowser, and he works with me and a couple of my teammates. And I think he just does a great job of of telling us not not how to hit, but he, he helps us maintain our comfortability, but also um consistency as well. Helping us learn our swings is is uh is is incredible and, and that's what he he does a really good job of is I'm a big feel guy, so so whenever he talks about hitting, he does a really got good job of of showing me and and telling me how I should feel it, and that helps me a ton. Um, and then yeah, bouncing off of that, I also keep uh, I I kept a notebook. I keep little notebooks in my bag. I kept one all last summer, and then and then all fall, where where uh where I write down and kind of talk about what I should feel when I'm hitting each day. So no matter if it's practice or a game, I'm writing down what I felt good and what I felt bad and what I should work on. And so whenever I hit a rut or a slump, I'm able to go back in there, watch my videos, and then also see what I wrote down because I'm a, I'm a big field guy. I can write down what I felt that day so I can hopefully put myself back on track. Okay. All right. So digging into my final questions here off the baseball side of things, I got four or five different questions. I like to end off every podcast with when it comes to, you know, digging into the ball players, personal side of things. So when you're not playing baseball, what would be some of those passions that you have beyond the game of baseball? Yeah. So I love, I love to watch movies with my family. 
um, I'm, I'm a pretty big family family guy, and um, me leaving my parents next year, I, I like to spend time with my family, and then also I, I like to have a, a good time with my friends. You know, uh, we we like to hang out, we like to go, we like to go hunt, we like to go fish, um, we like we like to just mess around. So so having fun with my buddies here on the baseball team, you know, going out to eat. And then being with my family is, has been the two probably best parts of my of my teenage years. Sure. Along, so so digging into this next question, I'm sure I kind of you know I might already know the answer compared to what you kind of how you mentioned um your different passions and hanging out with your family. But when you're looking into motivations, what is it just down there deep internally that is it that kind of you know helps you get out of bed every morning, helps you go go get better every day, continuously evolve. What are some of those just internal motivations that are just, you know, consistently eating at you to go get better every day? Uh, it's just a self hunger and, and, and I want to compete. I always want to compete, but I also want to have fun. And so I've always pushed myself to the max, you know? Uh, so, so kind of help what helps me get out of bed is just knowing that I'm going to go compete and I'm going to win in everything I can at the day, whether it's at school or on the diamond or in the weight room, I'm going to do my best to compete and be the best at everything I do. Okay, so taking that question just a little bit further, you continue just to try and be the best at every single thing that you do. Let's go ahead, fast forward 20 years from now. What does that perfect picture of your life look like? Everything's going right. You continuously try to be try to be perfect, try to be the best. What does that perfect picture look like in 20 years from now? I mean, obviously, I want to do something with baseball. So so it's, it's just depending on that, you know, depending on how my career goes, it's either playing baseball or or coaching it or, or, but you know, you always have to have a backup plan, you know? So, so whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. So if baseball don't, doesn't work out, then I'm, I'm a, I'm a smart student. So I'll probably go to law school. And if I do that, then I'll be the best lawyer I'll possibly can. Okay. There we go. Do you plan on staying in Texas when you, you know, go to law school and then potentially become a lawyer? Uh, I do, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how baseball works out and, and where that takes me. So okay. we'll see. There we, there we go. So down to my final question here on the JKR podcast, my, you know, a question I ask everybody to, to end it off kind of, you know, my, uh, how do I say this? My uh, um, copyrighted question, however you, however, however, however you would say that, I guess you're the lawyer. You're the one that might know the word, what that word <laughs> is, but uh, pat, pat, patented or how, how, however the hell you say that pat, patented. Like Right, your trademark question. Trade trademark question. There we go. I know there's a bunch of different words when it comes to you know those those simple things, but uh, no. So my my trademark question here to end off the JKR podcast. I ask all you ball players. So once you do get to DBU, you're going to get that opportunity to you know potentially capitalize off your name, image, and likeness. You know due to the NCAA's regulations they passed a couple years ago. But if you could pick one dream brand that you would love to endorse partner collaborate with what would be that dream brand definitely jordan brand jordan brand for sure okay i i, I always love it when people say jordan brand you know a little bit a step a little bit classier than nike um i know i got tired of hearing you know what's your favorite brand oh nike no jordan i love jordan um i love i love the jordan the jordan baseball brand as well obviously started with Derek jeter you know you at mm -hmm. unc michigan wearing that as well it's dbu's not a jordan school is it so DBU, um, their workout gear and their footwear is Nike, but they they let the Jordan cleats slide. So so we're allowed to rock them there. Okay, uh, all right. At, well, we rock New Era, the hats. So same as the big league guys, the New Era hats, and then uh, uniform. We're we're Rawlings, and Rawlings has done a good job of. Of, of sending them the best things that they have there. So, so I'm going to be able to rock the Jays there and, and hopefully, hopefully there'll be more of that in the future. There we go. I mean, I can't, I mean, me as an aspiring agent, I'm hoping to see, you know, more and more people, more and more ball players wearing that Jordan brand on that baseball field. I, you know, I just, I, I love watching that brand grow to continuously different sports, but beyond the game of basketball. Uh, but no, man, that is the final question I have for you here on the JKR podcast. Super pumped to get you on the show. Uh, just really appreciate you coming here on the JKR podcast. Um, but with that being said, you know, I do want to wish you the best of luck when it comes to your senior spring here coming up as you head to DBU and beyond that, potentially as you go play pro ball as well, or, you know, potentially becoming a lawyer too. Um, best of luck when it comes to that the rest of your career. Um, best of luck there. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Um, and there we go. That's the end of the podcast.
Thank you so much for having me. I had an incredible time. You did a great job.